You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the or I don't even remember the whole spiel, the origins of Star Trek from the C- early days on NBC to this future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Thank you wow. very much. <laughs> my name is Alan, and I it is my privilege to introduce my co-host Keith Johnson. Bacon, salty and crispy, sweet and delicious. And Veronica Nashel. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Michael Scott Phillips. How's it going, Michael? Oh, just fine. Welcome, Michael. All right. So as you you see, Chuck is not with us this week, but we will muddle through. Clearly, I was not prepared to do an intro like I thought I was because I messed it all up, but that's okay. Um. So, Michael, thank you for sitting in with us tonight. We're looking forward to having you chat with us about this week's episode. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, we'll see if how it oh, goes. Don't 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 lay your hand <laughs> out too soon, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before well, we I could get... have enjoyed hating it, no, okay. I could have enjoyed hating it. It's That's possible true. that I could have enjoyed hating it. So. People do. People, People do. do. Okay, so before we get started, Michael, tell us a little bit about your history with Star Trek. When did you start watching Trek? How? What is your favorite series? How long you've been watching? All that stuff. Gosh, that really dates me. Uh, I, I honestly, I've had debates about this with my brother, which we saw first: the original run of the animated series, or the original series in syndication. But right. it would have been about 74, 75. I'm not really sure. I just remember where I was living when I saw it. And that's kind of how I know when it was. So the first, se- I'm going to just say the original series, though. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much Basically what I'm going to say. Thing. Yeah. So, and, you know, I guess my favorite series is the original series, really. I mean, I, I certainly, I love uh, TNG and I, I love... Uh, Strange New Worlds. I have not seen enough of Deep Space Nine and Voyager to really feel like I can say, you know, where they rank in my estimation. I need to catch up on those. Off the show. But <laughs> off the show. Get out. <laughs> Bye. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand. I understand. No, I went through a little anti-Star Trek phase in the 90s for some reason. Oh. And I feel I feel stupid about it now, but you know it's like, well, I was just trying to be cool or something. I don't know. Right, yeah. I know how what, that is. What was it? Were you were you tired of the shows? Did you think something was better, like Star Wars or Farscape or Babylon Five or something? Yeah, I did love Babylon Five. That's true. I did love Babylon Five, and uh, you know, I kind of was on the Babylon Five side in that that little war between those two series right. at the time. But you know, I mean, I was like twenty years old or whatever i don't know i don't remember but uh yeah i mean i've got i've gone back to them uh recently and i'm still catching up with them i was hoping they go to hd uh they somehow yeah. restore them into hd so i could watch them like that and i kept holding out for that because everybody kept saying you know that it was going to happen 
and and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I no. went ahead and started watching them again. So are watching them for the first time. Excellent. So, yeah. Um, you are an author. You have a new book out. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, I, I started writing seriously uh, about six years ago, but I really had been writing most of my life. I mean, I've written like newsletters and uh, TV and movie reviews since my college days, which, again, kind of dates me late 80s. Um, but I didn't really start seriously writing until about 2017. I had been suffering some from some disabilities for a while. And it was something I wanted to get into as a way of making money that would kind of where I could kind of work around the problems yeah. I was having. Um, so I really started with a novel idea I had in 2017 and I went from there and uh, I've been writing uh, a space opera novel series. So anybody who's interested in Star Trek is probably going to like them. Um, I like to think they're pretty original, but it's hard to do anything original these days. So there are going to be some <laughs> things that are going to remind people of Star Trek or whatever. So, yeah. I, and I also I wrote a book on the classic TV series, The Avengers and the New Avengers, which is called Quite, Quite Fantastic, The Avengers for Modern Viewers. And uh, it's a pretty popular book in the genre, I'd say. And of course, the uh, sci-fi series, the first novel in the series is called Beyond the Empyrean. And uh, it's about a genetically engineered miner on a planet in the uh, star system of Maya, which is out there in the Pleiades system. And uh, he's living a very uh, oppressed life because of, well, not because of his, his genetic engineered status, but because this society is just very, very oppressive, very dystopian. And so he's he's basically trapped in this system where he has to work as a miner in order to earn off the uh, the modifications that he's received. But at the same time, the modifications are necessary to do the mining work because it's on a heavy gravity world. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a catch-22 situation. You have to get a job, so you have to get modified. So then you have to pay off the modifications and it takes 10, 20 years and they never let you off the hook. No, so, and it's this evil oligarchy that's controlling everything. So... That's it's about his story and how he breaks out of that. And I don't want to spoil too much beyond that. Well, no, you know, of course not. It's interesting you talk about the genetic engineering because we talk about genetic engineering so much in, when we discuss Star Trek. Obviously, that just came up in Strange New Worlds. And, mm -hmm. it's, it, and it's a huge issue with Deep Space Nine. I won't spoil it. But, you know, I think realistically, if humanity ever gets to the stars, I think that we are going to be genetically engineering. Because yeah. if you think about it, like, I was just listening to a program last night to talk about how we could terraform Mars. And it talks about that, honestly, with some really sophisticated super science, but possible science, you could terraform Mars in somewhere between 100 to 1,000 years. And I was thinking about that. I thought, okay, great. If you could make Mars have oxygen, nitrogen, atmosphere, and water, and protect us from uh, cosmic radiation, it still has way less gravity than Earth. And the bottom line is the human body doesn't do well in lower gravity. The heart mm -hmm. gets bigger. Mm -hmm. The bones start de de uh, decalcifying. And so I think, to your point, if you go out in the space, you're going to find planets that are going to be heavy gravity, lower gravity, less oxygen, more radiation. I think we're probably genetically engineering ourselves because otherwise we're just going to mutate anyway. Yeah. That's true. Right. That's true. And I, I did weave a lot of that into the story because mm. there's a lot of things about his, his, the character's appearance that would be different 
but it's uh, all d uh, design modifications that are allowing him to survive on this planet. Like he has sort of a bronzy, almost sort of orangey colored skin because it's, it's the light of the sun is very uh, blue. And you know mm -hmm. how you have glasses with blue blocking lenses on them, you know, yeah. for like reading uh, off a screen. Mm -hmm. Well, his lenses are literally modified so that they do that because the light is so harsh and blue. So, it, you know, you would you would he would turn his eyes toward you and they would kind of flash blue. And it would look very strange to people. And he also has like tapetum lucidum like uh, like um, animals do. So he can see in the dark and in a mining environment. So there's wow. a lot of uh, things about him that would look quite strange and would, would not enable him to pass as an ordinary person. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I was thinking about a lot of those things. And it was kind of interesting that they decided to include Una in this new series and make her a genetically modified person because right. you know it's some things about her really do remind me of my own character <laughs> and including the fact that he has like uh caretaker genes which are actually modified immune cells uh he's essentially a a cyborg but it's cyborg on the molecular level his immune cells are the cyborgs and they race around and they do repairs and they, you know, he actually sometimes when he's healing, it glows, you know, there's a, a light to it. And that very much is something that when Una did that in the, in the show, it reminded me very much of that. So yeah. that's hilarious. Clearly. Obviously yeah. they read your book. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they ripped my, they ripped my idea off. Absolutely. No, I don't mean that. I just, it's just interesting <laughs> yeah. because these ideas are everywhere and it's very, very hard to find something original, but you know, yeah. we try our best. All right. So where, where, what's a website that people can go to, to find more info about the book? Michael Scott Phillips, author.com. It's kind of long, but it's my name, author, a, 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 u, t, h, o, r.com. Sweet. Not Arthur, author. Right. <laughs> author. I figure I should know how to spell that word. <laughs> exactly. Well, Keith, do we have yes. any Trek history? I didn't week? do any I didn't do any history this week because we were going to talk to okay. Michael and talk about the show. So okay. I didn't do any. You're All special, right. Michael. Oh wow. I'm, Nothing I'm happened this week. <laughs> All right, then at this point, we will take a quick break for those of you who are listening on the podcast, and we will promote a fellow ESO Network show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Gina Shock from the Go-Go's, fabulous drummer of the Go-Go's. Hi, this is Tony Levin of King Crimson. Hi, this is David Fisher for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Hi, this is Richard Evans. I am the author of Listening to the Music the Machines Make. Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis, punk rock photographer. Hi, I'm Tom Bojour, author of Nothing But a Good Time, and you are listening to Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. You're listening to Modern Musicology, so, you know, Pay attention. You might learn something. Veronica, do you want to give us a spoiler alert? Yes. I'm moving the mic. I'm moving the microphone away from my face. <laughs> nice. It's for those of you who can't see it. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right, you, remind me of, you remind me of Eddie Murphy uh, doing the thing where he was going, Hercules, no. Hercules, no. Hercules. No. <laughs> No, 
Well, that Sorry. means that means that it is time to talk about episode five of season two of Strange New Worlds, Charades. And that also means that we are now halfway through the season. That's wow. crazy. Oh, yeah. That's wow. true. That's that's the point. Yeah, you know, I've all these years and decades, I'm still conditioned. Um, given when I was raised, because Michael, I got a, several years on you. I'm still conditioned for 25, 26, 27 episodes. Yeah, or something. I know. So yeah. uh, unless it's British, you know, or Netflix. So when you tell yeah. me that, like, holy crap, you're right. Halfway over now, we've got a writer strike and an actor strike. So, oh boy. Yeah. Right. Okay, so first, let's just start with general impressions. What did you think of this episode? Good, bad, in between, somewhere. Veronica, why don't you kick? Now you can kick us off. Go. Yeah, I loved it so much. It was, it was, it was fun, and all of Spock's reactions to everything with him as a human was hilarious. And I really enjoyed watching Ethan Peck be Spock as a human. It was, it was very enjoyable to watch. Awesome. Michael, what'd you think about it? I felt very similar to Veronica. I really love this episode. I, I loved Spock Amok last year. I, mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite episodes. And I like this sort of humor. Um, I don't like the sort of eye mud sort of humor, but I do like this kind of slightly sardonic, <laughs> witty, subtle, more subtle humor. And mm -hmm. I'll just say this. I mean, gosh, I mean, whether people like it or not, at least I feel like they're forging new ground. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's a comedy episode, but it's kind of got its own unique take. It's this weird, wacky sort of Vulcan hijinks episode that we get every year. And so I, I, I want to see more. I want to see more. Okay. I really do. All right, Keith. I, I'm really divided. I laughed and chuckled all the way through it, even though, as I said all the time, you know, y'all know I hate the Kirks on the show. I hate the Pring on the show and I hate the Chapel Spark thing, but I laughed and had a really good time. And literally the very last scene almost completely ruined the entire episode for me. We'll have to get to that. Oh dear. <laughs> so it's like, wow. I watch it again. And that, that last scene, because that last scene become, it became the apotheosis of everything I don't like about new track writers. And up until then, I was okay. So overall, I like it. It's absolutely an episode I can watch again. It was it was fun. I agree. It was really fun. Okay, I I, I mostly agree with you. I think it, I had a great time watching it. I thought mm -hmm. the all the the cast was fantastic, um, and you know a lot of people, present company included, may have problems with Tapring and the Kirks and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't really mm -hmm. mind that stuff so much. You know, I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not so tied to, you know, that I have to not, you know, I don't know, but I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I found a lot of really interesting stuff in it though. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But first I want to say that for anybody who's watching live, just drop a comment or a question in the chat bar, wherever you're watching YouTube or Facebook and uh, let us know what you thought about it. We want to know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, what you liked about it. Anything that confused you and you have a question about it, just let us know. All right. So for those of you on the panel who, who enjoyed it, what were some of the specific points that you that you really liked? Bacon. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love bacon? But OK, but aren't isn't he vegetarian? Yes. He I is. mean, aren't pre predominantly 
the Vulcan society is vegan or vegetarian, right? So I, I thought that, I mean, I liked the bacon thing, but I thought that they would actually say something about that. Like, wait a minute. I did too. Spock, you're vegetarian. I, th I thought they were going to say something about that too. And I guess it's, it's 100% his, um, his pure human side because um, yeah. he was even asking what it was. And actually, yeah, he probably, should, well, I'm not going to say he should get sick. That's humans. But yeah, I thought the same thing, that he really wouldn't be eating bacon. But it, it was kind of a funny scene, though. He did get yeah. sick, though. He did. Yeah. He yeah. did get well, nauseous. Sure. Um, one thing I did like about it, like I said, um, the reason I was able to basically kind of put my standard objections on hold and enjoy it is this, this, this we've said this before, this cast is very comfortable. They, yeah, they yeah. feel much, yeah, they feel much more comfortable than say Discovery did or the first two seasons of Picard. And a lot of that is the writing. It is also sometimes, frankly, the actors that you choose and how they all gel together. Um, yeah. I was listening to some podcasts. I've been listening to um, the podcast with Dominic Keating and Connor Trenier, who played yeah. um, Malcolm and Tripp on Enterprise. And Jeffrey Combs has been on there and the, the yeah. Billingsley who played Dr. Flox. And I tell you, and I've heard this from this show, Quantum Leap and NCIS, Scott Bakula. People say that man literally is a prince. They talk about he's such a great person. Mm -hmm. And I think he held Enterprise together as well as it's been held together. I'm saying all this for a reason. I'm hearing the same thing about Anson Mount. Yeah, oh, they yeah. say he kind of mm -hmm. holds that show together. He's a nice guy and he helps the younger people. And you can feel that cast feels at ease. So when they do work together, when they're having dinner in this cabin, or when they're on a mission together, they have an ease with each other that I kind of haven't seen since maybe the way the Deep Space Nine people um, work together toward the end. But the cast feels like they've been together longer than just a season and a half. And I do like that. Mm -hmm. And they can do serious stuff, and they can do comedy as well. And it works better than a lot of other series. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Space Daddy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's not to love? Anyway, Veronica, what do you have to say? So I was thinking back to um, when Ethan Peck was at Dragon Con the, um, the year after they had appeared on Discovery. Um, and we, we, he was still there on a Monday. So we had gone back and to see him. Um, with our Spock puppet, and we have one of our 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 bits. Is Spock is in retirement, so he has a beard. Uh, and it was we found it really hilarious that Ethan Peck Spock, when we first met him, had a beard. So <laughs> we we brought our little bearded Spock to meet meet him, and he was all excited about this, and he was like, "Oh, can I get a picture with him?" And we're like, "Yes." Nice. <laughs> so he's he's a really down to earth person too, and he was so excited just to be there. Um, uh, and and talk to people it was he was really fantastic and watching this reminded me of interacting with Ethan Peck himself mm. okay that's yeah. cool they all seem like good people nice people and they all seem like they truly get along and are happy to be there and it, it absolutely comes across on screen yeah I mean you see that with them with each mm -hmm. other but mm -hmm. at the same time, you see it individually. And like, if you follow any of them on Twitter, they just seem like they really come across like they love what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're excited about it and they're happy about it. And they in enjoy engaging fans who love it as well. And I think that makes so much difference, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That I chemistry really comes across on screen. Right. I think so, too. All right, so we have dual storylines this week, and they're both about encounters with 
Vulcan rituals and Vulcan expectations and Vulcan judgment. So let's talk first about the Spock situation. What did you think, first of all, of a human Spock? He was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I was... I was a little worried at first because it kind of it pinged me uh, with data from generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like they were going for, and that became too much. I love that film, but I felt like that part of it just went on too dang long, and it became <laughs> tedious. And I was like, "Please stop!" And but mm. here, I think they stopped at exactly the right point, like literally on all his dialogue beats, you know, it looks like he would take it up to, you know, just where it's almost too much. And then he'd come back, you know, and then they kept that going, the whole awkward teenage phase going on just long enough until you were about to get tired of it. And then they stopped and they went on to act two. So I thought it was pretty close to perfectly handled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I could also see Brent Spiner just like pushing it to that edge and then him wanting to go, the 15 steps further <laughs> also <laughs> also the line um what was it uh it was the wtf line oh right reminded yeah. me of generations where he says oh what does he say oh s-h-i-t i can't remember yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right okay yeah that's that definitely pinged my <laughs> nostalgia <laughs> right yeah i guess the what the f was attributed to the fact that he was human at that point in time yes yeah, because um, I, I wrote, when he say that, then I thought, well, if he's human, his, uh, his emotions come into play, I think. So it, it's it's funny because the whole point of him being split or you know, re- reorganized into complete um, human, it's really ridiculous as a plot. And then I thought, except Kirk was split into two on a transporter in the original right. series, and Bellana Torres was split into a Klingon and a human in Voyager. And on and on. And Odo became fully human in Deep Space Nine. No spoilers for Hal. So it's not exactly like this hasn't been done before in Star Trek. Uh, One thing I did laugh at was when they went into that that space warp tunnel, that tunnel, and he he gets redone. And when they literally called the people or they called that race, Yellow literally came off like some functionary, like some customer support person that is not helping. Yeah, because literally over and over, the was like, look, we did what we need to do. No need to call further. Is he dead? Is he alive? He's alive. Okay, bye. It was hilarious. <laughs> it Anybody was. called that. <laughs> to, the, to the point where they're, they're bringing up, you know, you fixed Spock wrong. Yes. And they're like, complaints outside the service period are highly irregular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought and, that was adorable. And Nurse Chapel bringing her best. I need to speak to the manager energy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes, that was really funny. my boyfriend's at stake here. <laughs> you got to sort this mess out. Right. Um, One of my favorite scenes in the show, and I, I, I kind of felt differently about it, but I still loved watching it play out was the three crew members trying to teach Spock how to be Spock. And they sort of do their own impressions of him. I thought that was hilarious. And he's like, do I really sound like that? And they're all like, Uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. This is an episode where I guess I'm talking to myself. You've got to let go 
of some of the stuff because everything, like you said, I'm like, for example, I was like, well, Spock wouldn't say what the F. And then I'm like, okay, I know he's human, but they wouldn't have to teach him to be Vulcan because he remembers. But then I was like, okay. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> why I had a little bit of a problem with that scene. Yeah. It's not like he doesn't know who he used to be. Right, right. But, but what they had to get him to do was to like not emotionally react to stuff going on around him. Yeah, and I and I did laugh when his emotions start getting out of hand. Like when he would get the joke, and he was like, he kept really going on, almost like he was drunk. And he was oh, ha, ha, and he was hitting people, right? Or and the whole thing with um, Kirk, the whole thing with Kirk's brother when he kept that glass and the crumbs on the table. They were ticking him off when he was a Vulcan, and he wouldn't say anything. But then toward the end, he's basically like the attack the guy. He's like, <laughs> that's great. I will say. That if Spock, when he was actually Spock, you know, at the beginning of the mm -hmm. episode, when he's doing his his ship's log, and he is just, you know, bothered to the point where he gets up and cleans the the the, the cup and the, the saucer away, and then notices crumbs, that Spock would not have just brushed the crumbs onto the floor. Yeah. That would have bothered him just as much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I think he would have said something. But I, I did think that the stuff with Ethan Peck was 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 funny. I laughed. I laughed at a lot of the stuff with him. Yeah, um, I thought that was good. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a slightly contrarian here um, toward what Michael was saying earlier. It, this reminded me too much of Spock Amok from last season. It's it's almost like they're sort of playing the same because you know mm. there was I don't mm. remember if it was that episode or a different one where he. The episode starts with him having a dream about him being human mm -hmm. and yeah. not being able to fit in with the Vulcan rituals and stuff. And then they had the whole like Katra swap episode. And I just felt like maybe this was like, we don't need to do another one of these next year. You know what I mean? It's almost like, okay, we've, we've seen it now. Let's, let's don't repeat it again. And well, I know that's different from what Michael's reaction to it was, but. Well, if this is uh, about our window into Vulcan society, I mean, there is a place for it. I mean, they have to find some other way to get that done. Some other way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think Va Vandy Beth said that on the Facebook group as well, said the same yeah. thing as you said, Alan, that it was, okay. it was too much of a callback to the same type of episode from last year. Okay. I also think they're probably not going to do something like this again, because it seems like he and T'Pring are like basically on a break until she calls him to Vulcan in the original series. Is what it seems uh, like is going to happen. Maybe. That seems yeah. like a setup exactly like you were saying, but I'll bet you it won't take that long. I bet you she'll be back later this season, if not just next season. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little confused at the whole thing about their... Well, she asked him to marry her, so I guess that... Well, that's the whole point. So they're... they're I think they color in the margins of what the original series did, so I guess that's mm -hmm. the whole point. Uh, because I, at first I was, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's going to be, I guess, seven years, something like that, before he goes back, when he basically comes under the blood fever, um, the mock time. But I guess they're setting this up, as you say, to where they're going to have a, a break. Because, again, in my original series watching, I think the assumption the assumption was, but they never said it, which is what the new track, they drive into these plot holes. They never said that he hadn't seen her since they were children, but you assumed that he hadn't seen her since you they were children. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. It's just, but that, since they never truly said it, and I actually find myself doing weird things now. This is so strange. I keep finding myself looking to see 
does Uhura ever see Spock and T'Pring together on the Enterprise? Mm. Um, because in the original series, she literally asked him who Dupring was. So I can't, I, I keep playing this game and trying to catch oh, them. Oh, she said think she, about that. Yeah, because remember they did the whole Spock parting and parting and never parting and always never parted, never and always touching and touched. And Uhura says, she's lovely, Mr. Spock. Who is she? Mm-hmm. And Spock right. said, that is Dupring, my wife. And everybody on the bridge is like, oh, what, what, what? Including their show. But they, oh, they I guess, <laughs> you know, they're trying to get around that. So I keep looking for stuff like that. Right. Um, it's another thing. I it's a personal thing. I don't like to pray being used this much. I just don't. That's me. But I like the actress. Yeah. Um, and I guess she's gonna have growth because Tapring's not nearly as strong and as fierce here as she is in the original series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, she's pissed off later. Oh boy, she's good in that original like series. And I have a theory about that. I have a. I think okay. I might know where they're going with this. All right, let's lay it on us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we already we, we can already see that Spock is going through a more emotional phase. I mean, he had that whole thing where these blocks got broken, and you know, he's right. trying to restore them and that sort of thing. And right. I guess that's a callback to the cage where he like smiles broadly and says the women and that sort of thing, and he's sort of more <laughs> emotional. Right. And, yeah. Uh, so obviously that's where they're going. So he's more mm-hmm. emotional and that kind of explains how he could have this romance with nurse chapel. And then Tapring finds out about it and she's really pissed. And she says, you're being too emotional. You've yeah. got to go back to Vulcan and, you know, study and train and become more Vulcan like so we can get married. Maybe her mother gets really pissed off about it. Who knows? And then he, he puts all those emotions back in the bottle and poor nurse chapels just left to pine over him. And that's why, how you get to where they are in, in uh, the original series, yeah. you know, with, uh, with Spock being much more, you know, closed mm-hmm. off and, and nurse chapel just sort of like, she can't do anything about it. She's right. kind of trapped in the situation where she has these feelings and they can't be, you know, reciprocated. Yeah. And then of course the whole divorce happens with Tupring. <laughs> Well, also, and that's a that's a point, Michael, because I had that same thought, which is, again, going back to the original series, Spock and Chapel act like they barely know each other, and she obviously still loves him, but he's always keeping the distance. But also, mm-hmm. in the original series, they said that she actually came on the Enterprise, which I guess has now came back to the Enterprise because she wanted to go find Doctor Corby, who was her yeah. fiance. So mm-hmm. sometime between now and the original series episodes, she's got to leave the ship. Or somehow fall in love with Corby, unless they're going to change that. And they even I thought that y'all catch that they mentioned Dr. Corby earlier on. Oh, yeah. 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 Dr. Corby's three laws of whatever archaeology. Right. So mm-hmm. that's the guy who's going to become her great love. Mm-hmm. And then go yeah. on. Um, oh, yeah. my, wife's not, my wife's not listening. And then go on to uh, be in an episode with literally one of the prettiest women in Star Trek history, Andrea the Android. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I am curious how they're going to connect all that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot just a slight bit here. I'm gonna stay okay. on the the Spock um, mm-hmm. story thread that we're talking about, but we get the return of Mia Kirshner from Discovery as Amanda. This is her first time uh, appearing on Strange New Worlds. I love her. She and was fantastic. I, I love her, Amanda. Great. I thought she was one of the great additions to Discovery when she was on, and. You know, Michael earlier was talking about uh, that window into Vulcan society. And I think the stuff that we learned about Amanda in this episode is exactly that. I'm fascinated by some of the stuff that she was saying about how she had to 
put up with stuff like how she had to adapt to to live on vulcan and i i really love that's probably my favorite part of the episode i agree because they've never they've never told it from her point of view because in the uh, animated series and they show young spock getting teased remember they said earther you can't even do a simple neck pinch and in the abrams first movies and stuff you're right it's always been spock's pain and his father's disappointment Mm -hmm. but uh following on what you said alan in, in all those different shows and movies when they literally call spock you know, poisoned and less than Vulcan. Where does that come from? Her. But we never get to hear her point of view. Yeah. Because if, if Spock's being teased, then what is she going through? Yeah. yeah. Veronica, yeah. What, did you, what did you think about the Amanda scenes? I, 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 I love Yeah. Oh, you said Veronica. Sorry. <laughs> you kind of broke up there, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, her, when she when Spock was trying to pick up that hot pot at first and she was like, I, I learned to endure pain um, yeah. and showed him how she just calmly smiled and touched this scalding hot rock of a pot and just lifted it up and calmly poured it and calmly put it back down and calmly clasped her hands together, even though they were probably burned to a crisp. Yeah, yeah. Minimizing pain don't take care of your skin burning. I thought that was my first thought. <laughs> and I was wondering if she was going to show Spock her hands. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she would obviously keep them hidden in the ritual when she's, you know. But right. I was wondering if she, like, here's the proof, buddy. This is what I've been hiding all my life. This is the kind of thing I've had to endure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what were you going to say about it? Sorry about that. Well, I was going to say much the same thing. It's like a metaphor for her pain. It doesn't make any sense logically. I mean, you have to burn your hands to make tea on Vulcan. I mean, it's kind of silly. It's not very logical. But, yeah. um, you know, but as a metaphor for pain and a metaphor for Amanda's pain, I think it works really well. Yeah. And the, the yeah. pain of being a human and living on Vulcan and having to learn to hide, you know, pains that maybe Vulcans don't have, you know. Yeah. Maybe they don't feel anything, but you do. And you got to hide it just like them. Mm. so that's tough i loved the scene at the end where spock defended his mother Mm -hmm. i thought that was so touching i wondered if spock would do that but can we assume it's because he still was coming turning back to vulcan so he was still kind of emotional okay that's yeah I, i was wondering about that um I, at first, I was like, "Well, Spock wouldn't do that," but then he was still. Then he took his plastic ears off, and he was still. He still had human ears, and I was at least grateful that he didn't turn back to Vulc- uh, Vulcan immediately. Yeah, because I literally don't know what kind of injection can rewrite half your DNA. But then she got it. <laughs> she got it from yellow, so I guess it works. <laughs> right, it's one of those magical science things that these Star Trek shows just do, <laughs> like time yeah. crystals for god's sake yeah anyway uh, yeah michael you you made right. a good comment about you said that spock's humor almost it, it's it threatened to spin out of control i thought here we go again is there not a movie in history forget if it's science fiction or not where you haven't seen the awkward meet the parents and and sometimes i wonder if women right. get upset because the mother-in-law is almost always the one that's like the harridan and the dad is always cool. And her dad, Tapring's dad, almost was showing emotion. He's like, man, this I know. is good. And she's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. I thought exactly I, I like that. the fact that he was uh, like a bit of a henpeck, too. You know, he yeah. just, he just uh, you know, <laughs> just uh, what do you defer to whatever she said, you know, because he didn't want to fight. 
Well, there is a, a, a matriarchal, you know, essence to the Vulcan society. So maybe, that's maybe true. that's a standard. I don't know. Um, but she, she definitely was a domineering woman. Yeah. She was imposing. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, um, Tapring made it obvious that she was especially difficult because you kept saying she's been so difficult and she's so difficult all the time, you know, and all that sort of thing. So. Right. Which I found was, very funny because once her mom came on, that reminded me of the Tapring in the original series. So obviously, eventually she becomes her mom. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, she's going to have to very get some strength. Point. And Michael, you probably don't know about this since you haven't watched DS9, but I found myself um, comparing Tapring's mother to, I think her name was Laurel. Uh, General Martok's wife, who yeah. also has to preside over some wedding stuff, which yep. I won't spoil here for those who haven't seen it. And I found myself comparing those two: a Klingon disapproving mother, potential mother-in-law, versus a Vulcan disapproving yep. mother-in-law. That's exactly mm -hmm. what I was thinking of as well. <clears throat> okay, so let's talk about the other storyline that's going on that's kind of interwoven with this one, and that is Nurse Chapel. She's applying to this program on Vulcan. She's prepping her her yeah. interview. She's worried over it. And then um, it doesn't go as well as she hopes. So let's talk about that part first, because I want to get into the yellow and blue stuff mm. in, a, in a second. But but um, what did you think about this chapel, this chapel who was, you know, wanting to leave the ship? She's wanting to get into this fellowship. She is you know, working her way toward the, her, she's very career minded. Um, what do you think about those scenes? Veronica? I mean, I enjoyed watching them. I mm -hmm. don't remember Nurse Chapel from the original series enough to make any comparisons, although she was very much just a, oh, Spock, you're so pretty um, in the original series from what I remember. <laughs> That's about right. That's that's actually about right. You, they're they're not they're not the same character at all. No, but mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed watching the character grow, and all. I I really enjoyed the transitions that they did in those opening things of her moving and tra training with this person and talking with this person, and yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the way they did those transitions because it looked like she just like whoosh into the next place. Yeah, I did too. I thought that was really well done. The editing on that was was really good. Yeah. I wrote down something about that. I wrote down Chapel might have succeeded in her application if she could have talked to Spock about it and mm -hmm. learned more about how to deal with Vulcans because it was the Vulcan arrogance that, you know, ultimately got her turned down. Yeah. And so she's she's fighting this thing where she can't talk to him and and you know, she's having to stay away from him or he's staying away from her. And all this weird stuff is going on. And so she's fighting this battle on her own. And, and she could have maybe used his help. Right. At least to have a better idea of what to expect from the interview. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. You know what reminds me of? Um, I agree. I thought it was funny. And I wrote down, in my notes, I wrote, so Vulcans have young little snots too. Because <laughs> <laughs> that dude, he looked like he was barely out of grad school. So he came off like a like this little punk, and he was you know super arrogant. He was pretty much he's literally one of those that was you can see him going, yeah, she ain't gonna make this. I mean, before she even applied, yeah. basically, I mean, they saw the application. A human, nah, that ain't happening. So he was such a snot. And I remember in Enterprise, one of the things I love about the series Enterprise is they show the Vulcans 
and the Andorians, who are a passionate warrior race, and the Tellarites, who pretty much live to insult, and Archer, who hated Vulcans, pretty much the start of the series. And I got to tell you, sometimes when you look at Vulcans, you can see why so many people kind of can't stand them. Yeah. Because they are arrogant, even at best. You know, at yeah. best, they're just arrogant. They get on your nerves. At least with a Klingon, you can go have a drink with them if they don't kill you. And mm -hmm. if you get into a fight and you survive, they love you. You know, they're, they're yep. your buddy. But yep. Vulcans, my gosh. <laughs> and also, um, to Pring's mom, I mean, I wrote down racist as F. I mean, she was like, <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, so yeah. that's not that's not you know typical Vulcan. That's that's kind of uh, especially arrogant for even for a Vulcan. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I thought so too. And I thought and I thought it was funny, but I kind of sort of thought that that whole ceremony. I think that felt a little obvious and heavy-handed to me personally. The whole ceremony where you tell people about themselves. That felt like that's something they wrote just so she could basically say, "Spock, you suck because your mom sucks." Because I mean, I did laugh, but I thought, well, I don't know if Vulcans really have something like that, but mm. it, it, it was fine. I thought it was an interesting concept, at least, you know, whether it actually made sense or not, or was expected or not. I thought it was, a, I thought it was an interesting scene. And, and I, yeah. but the, the, the reason they wrote it, though, is, is not for her to say those things. It was to test Spock. Spock. It was to see him just yeah. about to explode, but he keeps it in. Yeah. Oh, that it. was so good. I thought he Ethan was great in those scenes. Yeah. And I love the look when Spock revealed that he'd been human the whole time. The look that, again, even though know, I complained about her on the show, I love the look Tupring gave him. And when mm -hmm. you saw that look, you yeah. knew, like, oh boy, there's a conversation coming because she's looking at him. And then she kept looking at Nurse Chapel and him. It's like, hey, we need to have a conversation. You, and you know, the other thing that's interesting is that um, when Spock is going through the, the steps of the ritual and mm -hmm. Tupring would sort of like, you know, turn to the side and she would say, no, don't overdo this because it's got to be right. right. She is trying to control him exactly the way her mother controls her father. Mm -hmm. She is not letting Spock do his own thing. She is laying her expectations onto him just like her mother. Yep. And I think... I think she thinks she's helping him because she also made she, a point. You know, she yep. said, have I not told you that I don't mind you being half human? So I think she's trying to help him. I, and, I agree. You know, but it's just it, it's an interesting parallel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? But ultimately, I think she was right. I think she was right. I mean, she was right yeah. to be upset with him because, I mean, that's something you share in a relationship. And they had that whole body swap in Spock and Mock. So she, right. you know, she was in on that. And I kind of remember when she arrived, I was like, is he going to tell her? Should he tell her? You know? Yeah. He and, should have told her. and he really should have. I mean, yeah. it would have been, it might've even been more interesting if he had. Mm -hmm. I mean, that certainly was his plan. I mean, he was going into that scene with the intention of telling her. And then she said, Oh, my, my mother's just driving me crazy. And this is, you know, never going to work or whatever. And then he backed off. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't really pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. That scared um, him off. Right. Okay. Uh, one thing that I kind of had a problem with in this episode, and that was um, Chapel and and the and her buddies, you know, stealing a shuttle, going off to a, a temporal anomaly, and negotiating with a an extra dimensional being while Spock and these people are at dinner. 
Like it, <laughs> they're at dinner and how long did it take to get to this anomaly? How long did it take to, you know, talk yellow into helping them? How long did it take to get back? How did the injection even work? I mean, how does yellow prepare an injection? I mean, it just, right. it was, you know, you don't need it for the story. They're trying to tell an emotional story of, you know, Spock and uh, Chapel, but so you don't need it for the 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 actual narrative that's on screen, but it still just drove me bonkers. Yeah, my thing with, and I hate to use the term new track because everybody uses new track as a as a pejorative. I don't mean it that way. But one of the feelings I have with a lot of the new track shows, and it goes to some of the Abrams source influence based on what you said, Alan, is I still feel that they're not always as good a writers as the old track people. And I think sometimes they don't understand subtlety. Uh, sometimes show don't tell. So I agree with you because it was cool if she had gone or whatever, but then Yellow was like, why is this? Oh, because we're friends. Oh, tell them you love them. It, it went on just a right. little long to me. And I was kind of thinking, show don't tell. You don't need to hammer it home. And sometimes the new track people, to me, they hammer home stuff just a little too much when I think they should pull back. So I felt the yeah. same way as you did about that scene. Uh, one line of writing, they could have said something and should have said something like, wow, we were in there for two days and it came out and it's only like 30 minutes because they went through another space yeah. and time. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what'd you think? Because you liked the show a lot more, I think. I liked yeah, it. I think I, you really liked it. Yeah, I did. Um, I liked that part of it okay. I do agree that there are some time anomalies there and it was kind of a callback to the first season of Deep Space Nine with the tunnel, with the you know, the wormhole with mm -hmm. the uh, sort of ethereal aliens that are beyond time. And yeah, that kind of I just watched that season. So I'm, I was kind of aware of that when I was watching it as well. But they come across as very pedantic sort of Megara like aliens you know, yeah. flitting around, sparkling and all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was a little too on the nose. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe just mm -hmm. a little bit. And but show don't tell i mean are telling rather than showing that's kind of a symptom of a lot of tv these days it's all over the place i mean doctor who is like the last few seasons of doctor who i mean my god i it's mean that really, is like one of its major problems is is telling rather than showing i know? agree it's, it's funny you say that because i this is stay stay with me because this is a quick branch i was listening to several different critics and reviewers talk about the new indiana jones movie and what I thought was so funny is every single person who was older 40, over 40 and had children that I listened to, they said something like, I showed my kids the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. And to a person, they said that their kids said that the original Raiders of the Lost Ark was too slow. Of course. Which boggled my mind. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. And, to, and I guess what you got, that's what you're saying, right? It's like, it's, there's subtlety and it's got to be fast. And I thought, interesting. So I agree well, with what you're saying there. On that point, I am mm -hmm. clearly over 40. I watched the new Indiana and I just thought the action scenes just went on for so long. They really yeah. did. I was like, okay, it's a it's a car chase. That's you don't have to drag it out for 25 <laughs> minutes, for God's right. sake. But anyway, yeah. that's off topic. Um, so as we talked about earlier, this is episode five. We are halfway mm -hmm. through the season now. What do you think? um of the season so far like what's your assessment of the first half of the season and where do you want to see it go in the second half i want the next episode to have boimler and mariner 
I think that's two episodes away, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd like to see a lot more Una and Uhura at this point. Yeah. Definitely. And as for the season so far, I I I feel like it's pretty strong. I think it's as almost as strong as the first half of the first season. I'm not really sure where I put it because hmm. I didn't really like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which I is a stupid title, by the way. I've just got to get that out there. It's yeah. a stupid title. Well, I'm sorry. I know it comes from the same Shakespeare quote as all our yesterdays, but it makes no sense. It's not even about tomorrow's. It's about yesterday's. Right. It's <laughs> the past, not yes. the future. And it's not three tomorrow's. It's, it's two yesterdays. It's just, by itself, it makes no sense. And they're like, they're like, oh, oh, see what we did, see what we did. We use the same thing as the quote, the Shakespeare right. quote from our yesterday's. Isn't it great? And I'm like, no, no it's not. It's dumb. <laughs> That's Michael, so I am loving it because I don't have to say anything here. <laughs> and I just don't care about nostalgic callbacks. Yeah. I just don't. I, I'm just like, please just give me strange new worlds. Just you yeah. know, take the characters you've already got and go forward. And that's why I'm an advocate for this episode, because it feels there's no way to not tread old ground. I mean, it's almost impossible at this stage, but it feels kind of like it's a unique thing to strange new worlds. This Vulcan hijinks thing. Yeah. You know, and so that's yeah. why I'm kind of an advocate for it. So uh, but, you know, I, I got off track, but. <laughs> The first, the first half was good, but I, there were a couple of mediocre episodes, and there's been three good ones. That's that's the that's the short answer. Interesting. So far, the plots that I really don't like, which includes Laon being Kanuni and Singh's descendant, his name being used, Tapring being shown too much. Even when I don't like those plots, I like the acting. Yeah, and I like the shows, and so as much as I complain about them, um, it is strong, you know, and, and I do like that. You know, it's not like I sit there and go, "God, I hate the plot," and they can't act. Um, yeah, so it's still enjoyable. And, and to your question, Al, where I'd like to see it go, I'd really like to see them go somewhere in deep space and discover another civilization that we could get something going on with, like eight four seven two with Voyager or something yeah. like, or the Dominion. Yeah. I really, y'all know how I, am. I really don't want to. I don't want the show to end with this freaking Gorn War coming. I'd rather see something else, but I really would like to see something a little more deeply dramatic now, especially when mm -hmm. I think Pike's going to be back more. Yeah. I'd forgotten about the Gorn War. <laughs> well, I don't know. They kept babbling about, oh, God, what are we going to do? We might fight the Gorn. So we don't know if that's coming or not, but I'd rather see something else than that. I hope maybe that just never comes up again. Well, that's got, be to, be the, that. that's got to be the season finale. Boo. I mean, it's got to be, and it's going to be a two-parter. So, so uh, next week, I forget the title of next week. the The one after that will should be mm -hmm. um, the Boimler and uh, uh, what's her name episode Mariner, Mariner. Um, because uh, we we know that it was one that was directed by Frakes, and so far, as far as we know, that's the only one that Frakes' name is attached to. So it's got to be that one. And then we have oh. two episodes left. So that I think that last two-parter wow. is going to be the Gorn War, which means are we not going to get no, no, Angel nine episodes? Does that mean we're not going to get Angel and Cybok this season? Hmm. That depresses oh, me because yeah. I hope that's they right. do. Yeah, I, I might be I might be missing back. something in my count, but oh, they're the thing that I'm most excited to see. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I had really to even yeah. think. Yeah, me yeah. too. I've forgotten about him. 
That's a good thing. I had a real quick question. Um, this whole phenomenon that they were exploring, they said it was that it was in the Vulcan sector. Why hadn't the Vulcans examined it before now? Hmm. I was real curious about that because they were like, well, we're headed to the Vulcan. Oh, we've been ordered to go do this thingamajig. I think, yeah, the Vulcan has their own defense fleet. That they, I mean, has that thing just, that tunnel been sitting there? I mean, I know at Enterprise they said the Vulcans don't randomly explore but it's mm. it's in their sector. I can't believe they wouldn't have gone because they kept talking about it was giving off all this yeah. weird energy. And I kept yeah. thinking yeah. the Vulcans should have explored that by now. Hmm. Well, that's a good point, Keith. Yeah, yeah that and may be a flaw. Yeah. And one other quick last thought I had was, and I actually wrote this, Sarek sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the deal is, at the end of the day, he chose to marry and mate with a human woman. Right. And then he spends his entire life disapproving of his half-human son. And I think he might even be worse than Worf, who wasn't all that happy with Alexander, who didn't want to be a warrior. And he's such a kind of a coward. He doesn't even show up for this whole wedding thing because they're like, well, he's still mad at Spock and they're not speaking. Like, dude, that is as emotional as a human. And you want to, you know, Vulcans want to say they're better than us. He's basically pouting about his yeah. son. And that yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, had we gotten um, uh, Sarek in this episode, we wouldn't. I don't think we would have seen as much of Amanda. So I'm yeah. thankful that we got what we did of mm -hmm. her because I think that we got to see a lot of stuff about her that we didn't ever have seen before. You yeah. know? Yeah. And I yeah. really enjoyed that, and I and I just love Mia Kirshner. I think she's fantastic. She is good father's uh, good mother son moments. I, I really yeah. enjoy that. I really yeah. 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 You know, Spock yeah. is such a mama's boy. Right. Although and also, there was a. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. go right ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say this. Also, this episode produced my favorite Ortega's line. I hate Sorry. analogies. They never turn out like people say they will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Dude, I I freaking love Ortega's. I, I thought that was funny. I need to see a, a like an Ortega's focus episode. Yes. Yeah, and I also liked when she was basically joking. I, I got a paraphrase. She says something to the effect of, I'm actually the one uh, arguing caution. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I that, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Alan, you said about Spock's mom, I will say this is Kirshner in her, with her quiet strength is reminding me, even though she doesn't look the same, because I don't remember, No, I hope nobody gets offended, I don't remember kind of bucking my eyes this much at Jane Wyman, but she was <laughs> like, man, Spock, your mom. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I got to say it. I like, do. But Alan, based on what you said, her quiet strength absolutely reminds me of Jane Wyman's quiet strength in the mm. original series because she always had this, just the strength about her because she had to deal with Sarek and Spock, and now you realize pretty much all her Vulcan neighbors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All her like Vulcan that neighbors. <laughs> yeah. All the Karens. All the, oh, all the Vulcan Miss Kravitzes. <laughs> What's a Vulcan Karen? That's funny, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, all right. Thank you, Michael, for joining us this week. It was a pleasure to have you. Great being here. I enjoyed it. And one more time, tell us where people can find info about you and about your book. Yes, it's uh, michaelscottphillipsauthor.com. That's the best place to go. And I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and various social media. So right on. Mm -hmm. Keith, 
where can people find more about you? You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And I guess I need to check out Threads and Mastodon because everybody else is, but more on that yep. later. I'm on Threads. Uh, oh, okay. Don't, don't worry about Mastodon. Nobody gave a crap about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, Veronica, I know that you and Chuck are doing all kinds of things. So give us a, give us a little hint about what's going on. Yeah, so uh, we are Felt Nerdy, feltnerdy.com, nerdy puppet shows, primarily Star Trek and Doctor Who. Um, we have an adult show coming up if you're in the Atlanta area on July 22nd, the Sinful Variety Show at the Red Light Cafe. And then we have uh, several shows coming up at Dragon Con, specific times TBA. So keep yep. an eye on our Facebook page, feltnerdy.com takes you there. Um, and then we also have another podcast, Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. <laughs> Any good guests on that show recently? Uh, yeah, yeah. We had um, a fun interview with a, um, a longtime fan and um, talked to her about uh, growing up in the fan community from the time of newsletters to being introduced to message boards and Facebook groups and just her realizing how many fans there are out there <laughs> yeah excellent and you can find more of my crazy nonsense at cosmiccreative.com k-o-z-m-i-c creative.com i've got some books that i've written a few books that i've published from other authors and my other podcast which includes modern musicology and we've had some really good interviews lately tommy stinson who uh is best known from his time in the replacements. He was also in soul asylum. He was also in guns and roses and he's got a solo album out now that we talked to him a lot about, and we've been getting some great feedback from that episode. And we got a couple of other things coming up. So check out modern musicology. We, most of us, well, half of us will be back next Thursday because I won't be here. So maybe Michael, you can join us again. I don't know. Um, but the show will be back next Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to talk about episode six of Strange New World season two. Until then, keep trekking. Have a great week. And Veronica, <laughs> close us out. This podcast is logical. <laughs> that might be overstating the matter. <laughs> All right, everybody take care and keep trekking on. Later. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>